0: I'm sure lots of these listeners have like gone to foreign countries or, you know, like spent even like summer camp. I feel like, you know, when you spend multiple weeks or multiple months in a completely different culture, a completely different environment, and then you come back to your life as it was prior with your, you know, your family doing the same stuff as they were, whatever. It can be hard to come back and be like, wait, but I just felt so like connected to myself and connected to nature. You know, I just like saw the world in a totally new way and then coming back, yeah, it's really hard.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. My name is Matthew Dalitz. I'm the editor in chief of the Science of Psychotherapy. Unfortunately, today when Richard Hill, is not with us, he's um, out cruising around Australia. He's on a well-deserved break. So hi, Richard. Hope you're having a wonderful time out there. Um, but I'm here holding the fort and I'm here with return guest Sophie Sharman. Now we talked about um, the sensitive child last time. Uh, Sophie, welcome back. Um, You've brought a guest with you. Would you like to introduce us to Rachel?
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me back, Matthew. I'm sorry to miss Richard on the call, but I had so much fun chatting about my work with the sensitive child last time and it was a really expansive and connecting conversation. And when I think of the words expansive and connecting, it makes sense that one of my closest friends, Rachel, came to mind at the end of yeah. our call offline. I said, I, I feel like I need to tell you about my friend Rachel. Um, Rachel Lyons is here with us now, and she is the executive director for Space for Humanity, which is a nonprofit organization which aims to use the space flight experience as a way to expand our perspective on earth. Rachel is an incredible advocate for this organization. And in the time of our friendship, I have seen her lead with, like really I'm in awe of the way she has led um, in some of the ways that we'll be sharing today. But um, I got to sit by her side um, when she launched the first I'll say normal person up into space and (laughs) the way that she guided um, guided this person and the community around this person into understanding what it means to see earth um, from space and so yeah expansion connectivity and I can't wait for Rachel to share more
0: that's Mm -hmm. awesome
1: welcome Rachel
0: Thank you, thank you so much for having me. It's I'm um, I'm so honored and like <laughs> almost pinching myself that I'm on a psychotherapy podcast because <laughs> usually I'm talking to, you know, s- STEM people or science, you know, more like, you know, um, hard science sorts of people. And
1: um, yeah, yeah, I
0: think I find psychotherapy fascinating, so I feel really excited to be here. And thank you, Sophie.
1: Well, hey, look, we are always talking about um, perspectives and perspective taking, how we frame things. And so what you are doing is very much, um, you know, front and center in our field. And uh, we're going to talk about having a different perspective. So look, what I thought would be really fun um, to start with, uh, and and Rachel, you showed me this video that you did um, a little while ago, um and i I won't preempt too much of it um but i'd just like to play this clip first and um and have a bit of a chat ready to watch somebody being told they're going to space
3: hey everybody i'm richard branson and a little while back we offered one lucky winner the chance to win two seats aboard one of virgin galactic's first space flights, and today we're about to surprise that winner, Keisha, right here at her home in Antigua. Keisha thinks she's a finalist and that she's hopping on a virtual chat with my partners, Matt, co-founder of Amaze, and Rachel, executive director of Space for Humanity. But what Keisha doesn't know is that we're actually parked right around the corner from her home, ready to surprise her with this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, so let's do this.
4: Here we are in the back of a moving van in Antigua in our fake office. Richard, you've done a lot of uh, adventurous things in your life, how does this compare?
3: I love pulling people's legs and making
4: you see them smile, so you better smile. (laughs) Let's do it. Hi, Keisha, how's it going? I'm good, how are you? Good, this is Rachel. Hi. Hi, Rachel. We know that one of your goals has always been to go to space.
1: (laughs) It's very crazy, but I always dreamt of life beyond Earth, I think dreams always can come true. Maybe not in this lifetime, but it will come true eventually.
4: (laughs) Keisha, I just want to thank you for entering and being a finalist. Before we ever launched Omaze, we did a whiteboarding session and wrote down, this would be a success if, and one of the first things we wrote is that we'd make it so that any person in the world would have a chance to go to space. So the fact that you are a finalist, is also a dream come true for us. And have you thought about it at all who you would take with you um, if you want?
1: Actually, my daughter wants to come with me. <laughs> she says, don't you dare take anybody else.
4: So envision this. You're standing there with your daughter, and you're about to go, and Richard is, is standing there. What would you say to Richard? I
1: would tell him I love him. Thank you. <laughs>
4: <laughs> hey, Keisha, I think we're having challenges here on the internet side. Let us log off and call you back.
1: Sure. Uh, no
4: problem. We're off to the races now. Let's go. Whoa.
1: <laughs> uh, you <going> <laughs> so I get to Sorry, say buddy. I love you and thank you.
0: <laughs> My heart is like <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be an astronaut. <laughs>
1: Anna. Hi
3: Anna, you and your
4: mother are going to space. Anna,
1: we won! Oh! <laughs>
4: so you would be the first astronaut from Antigua, of course. You're making history. You're making yeah. history. So are you ready to see the anticipated raise? So we project 1.7 million dollars is going to be able to empower people to go to space. You want to talk about what that'll mean for you guys? Yeah, I'm
0: so moved right now. Um, this is this is transformational for our organization. The perspective that astronauts gain from going to space and looking and seeing this interconnected, fragile, beautiful planet. We believe that this is the most important perspective that we can take on right now. And so this gift will help us to make the world a better place.
3: Well, I need tissues. <laughs> I couldn't be more excited for Keisha and our friends at Space for Humanity. It's truly a win-win. And from all of us here, thank you so much for donating and for being a part of the Amazed community. Cheers.
1: So, wow, Rachel. that just looked like so much fun
0: yeah I'm getting you. flashbacks just yeah. watching it again
1: you, you couldn't have got a better person than Keisha for her response um she was just so elated
0: yeah she's amazing she was really the perfect person and part of our mission is it's about selecting leaders to go and have this experience which I think I'll probably talk about at some point soon but you know, she would be someone who made it to the top of the list for us. So I was thrilled to meet Keisha and thrilled that she was selected.
1: Fantastic. So so what's happening now with Keisha and this adventure?
0: Virgin Galactic has not started flying yet. Mm-hmm. Um I honestly don't know what the latest is with um, what they're publicly saying about when they'll be flying. Um, So just for anyone listening, if they're curious, you can just Google Virgin Galactic next flight and see what comes up. <laughs> Um, but she'll be flying, you know, early on in those flights and she'll be bringing her daughter with her and yeah, they'll be the first mother-daughter duo to ever go to space. Mm -hmm. Um, and the first, they'll both be the first people from the Caribbean. Um, and I believe the first of its kind, like the first of a, of a true lottery to go to space as well.
1: Okay. Wow. Okay, so let's talk about um, Space for Humanity, what you're doing. Um, can you just give us a bit of a background as to um, where you came to be in the position that you are now?
0: Yeah, totally. Um, so I, my personal story is that I discovered my love for space when I was 19. So yeah, Sophie started talking about expansiveness and connection um, that like, for me, I had my first really deep, profound experience of that when I was 19, watching a documentary, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Neil deGrasse Tyson's cosmos that show the right. scale of the universe. And so just look for me, learning that we lived on this little tiny planet in this big, massive universe, like shifted everything for me. And I became absolutely obsessed with space. Um, and, and also like obsessed with learning about what had happened to me. And I think this is, yeah, this also like relates to my friendship with Sophie as well, because I think that it's, it's all about the expansiveness, whether it's like inner world, like psychotherapy or outer world, like space, like it it is about transcending paradigms. Um, So, yeah, so I went into aerospace engineering and then soon after graduating, I met the founder of Space for Humanity, Dylan Taylor, and um, heard about what he was doing, which is what this mission is to sponsor people from all over the world to go to space so they can have this like paradigm shifting experience that happens to astronauts and then have them come back down and be like seeds planted all around the world to share this perspective far and wide. Um, And I was so inspired by the mission and I just knew that I had to get involved. Um, And then I was lucky enough to actually Start as a volunteer and then come on as the first full-time employee in 2019 and executive director. And we've been doing it ever since. Yeah. And there are connections between all of this work.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow. Sophie. uh, So tell me about the connection between the two of you.
2: I'm just no I have like the cheesiest smile. It's not coming off my face. I can't like get my smile off my face. Um I I just yeah, Um Rachel and I have a really really close friendship. We actually um met dancing. We would both like little did we know we were both out in the world like really really visioning and working hard for for our greater purposes, which in my case is supporting sensitive children and their parents. And in Rachel's case is also expanding people's consciousness in a really different way. And we would dance, like we would go to different dances where we could just, um, you know, move our bodies, release, like connect with ourselves, like more of a conscious movement space. And we would always be next to each other. And about a year after dancing next to each other and communicating in so many ways, cause we're just there like, you know, in presence with music. We finally talked to each other. And I think within two weeks, we were best friends. Like we were like, oh my gosh!" like we, like yeah. you get it. You get what you get, how I'm seeing it. And um, since then we've been able to form um, just such a supportive bond. And we've talked a lot about how our friendship is um, supported by purpose. Like it's like mm-hmm. we have, It's it's not so much about the drama. Of course, there's relational moments. And because we're both aware and conscious people, we've navigated, moments together, but we, um, we've talked about how we're here to support each other and purpose beyond this relationship. And so, um, yeah, we, we, in times of meditating together, hiking together, like we pretty much call each other to check in on how connected are you to what matters? And if not, Mm -hmm. how can we get there? Want to do it together? Want to do it on your own? Like, but we know we need to stay in connection. And I love this idea that my work has been about helping people root down further. My business is called Rooted Rhythm, and it helps parents mm-hmm. become more rooted in their own rhythm. Like, that, da- I'm very connected to earth. And Rachel's, um, she's actually one of the people, like, more than anyone I know, I feel, Rachel, that you're connected to earth and space. Like, I in the way, in your universal view of the world and the way um, I've seen you grieve for natural disasters that are happening like I I see your connection to the earth and then I also see your expansive view of um of the cosmos and I think it takes a very unique one-of-a-kind person that has that perspective to run a mission for like space for humanity
1: Mm. wow yeah some great themes there you know being being rooted being grounded and having this um this integrative perspective on the the earth and and all of us. And so I really want to sort of dig deeper into this whole thing of, of perspective and changing perspective. Um I know and I, I said before we started recording, I love watching the International Space Station, um, you know, footage as they they go around the planet. And the thing that um really strikes me is that you can't see the artificial boundaries and borders and and things that you know political borders and, and all of the different boundaries, which we probably have, you know, a fairly strong sense of, um, but from space, it's, uh, it, it's all, we're all together, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so Rachel, tell me, um, tell me a little bit more about this, um, this perspective that we can have and what it does to people.
0: Yeah. So I, I can actually bring in a little bit of psychology into this as well. Um, and basically there's this concept, I think it's, it's more than a concept. I would say, I think it's actually known as a theory, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't actually matter, um, called the overview effect. And basically it is that when astronauts go to space and they take on that view that you, that you just talked about, Matthew, and they look back down at this interconnected, fragile, floating, beautiful gem, like with the brightest colors that they've ever seen. Right. Um planet and then looking out in every other direction into infinity. While weightless. And when they have that that perspective is such a paradigm shift that it it changes people forever. And very often astronauts come back down with a completely new perspective about everything that is happening on our planet from the environment to politics to humanitarian issues, to even just like their place in their local communities. And um, yeah, I mean, I will say like, for me, it started with space and and this is again, how, where like me and Sophie's friendship comes in. It's like, it started with space for me and, and my life was fundamentally changed. Like everything, my purpose showed up, like suddenly I had like awe every day. Like, I just was like, I can't believe that I'm here. I saw my problems from a, from a much greater lens. Um, and but and for me, what I realized is that it is really just about transformation. And mm-hmm. there are so many ways to bring these sorts of transformations. And space is one of those tools. Psychotherapy, you know, working with children is another one of those tools. Like we have all these tools to help us look bigger. Um, and the last thing that I'll say about it is that like, I've read different systems change theory. Um, specifically this one woman, Danella Meadows. I don't know if you've heard of her. But she she wrote pieces saying that the most powerful way to shift like s- systems, like the most powerful way to shift culture is by transcending paradigms. And so it's by like on a collective level, helping people see bigger and think bigger. And I think that that's the basis of both me and Sophie's work. And I also think it's the most important cause. For me, it's the most important cause that there is because all the issues that exist exist inside of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Sophie, you, you're not taking kids and their parents to space, um, but you're, you're you're doing a similar, um, you know, shift in perspective. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, I was. I so and I was I was relating to what Rachel was saying in this moment about supporting people in the therapy setting of having their consciousness expand and becoming more aware of. I'll even say truths that weren't yet mm-hmm. in their consciousness before and how it's massive transformation and it's necessary transformation in systems. In my case, I'm supporting the family system and seeing, oh, wow, we've been making our child wrong or making ourselves wrong. And actually what we need to do is open more and become closer in order for us to find wellness together. Um, But in Rachel's, in Rachel's case and the work she does, she's talking about bigger systems change. But I, but both matter, like that micro level family system and the community and the world. Um, but it's also really hard work, and it takes a lot of preparation and integration. And I wanted to um, kind of pose a question to both to both you and you, Matthew and Rachel. Like, what do you, what what is necessary for the preparation and integration for this kind of expansiveness and consciousness. And most recently, I was working with a mom using ketamine assisted psychotherapy, which is a tool um, in my toolbox that I offer clients. And um, she's ultimately in a space now where she's seeing all the ways she was holding on to anxiety and fear and projecting that onto her child. But the few days after her expansive journey, I'll say, it was really, really difficult, almost as if she wished she hadn't even taken the journey. And Mm. I imagine it's it's even more exponential um, for people that go to space. So I just love to hear your thoughts and your own perspectives.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is um, you need a certain amount of bravery to be willing to step outside of the current paradigms that you hold. Um, And when I think about space flight, I think you got to be brave. Uh, Rachel, is does that come into it? Like this bravery to be willing to step outside your or comfort zone, I guess is a what a common phrase
0: totally. Yeah. I mean, people aren't applying to our program unless they've got that, yeah, you know, yeah. um and and i I do have i I, I don't want to interrupt if you were still talking, Matthew no, I no, no. Talking as well. okay. so we just two things. One is, you're talking about how you work in the family system and then for me it's like we're, we're we're I'm talking about like the earth system essentially um but it's all the system that system exists inside of this system you know it's like uh, this system has all these different interconnected systems and like there's all like all of the systems are important just like my body system is another system in, inside of it you know and my own healing impacts the collective and you know, my family's healing impacts the collective, so it's all related. So, that's my first just like response to that. Um, and then the other thing is you were talking about preparation and integration, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a lot there. Um, so it definitely takes a certain amount of bravery. I mean, I think that you know, we the, the leading narrative in my field is that the overview effect is something profound that changes someone for the better and you know this and that and I do know astronauts who have come back and you know had depression or alcoholism or I even I I don't know I actually don't know who it was but I do know that there's one that at least one that has committed suicide um and so I think just like you're saying, Sophie, when you have a paradigm shifting experience, I mean, you need support for what you discover, you know? And it's really easy to get i don't I don't even I can't even say like what what the like um like adverse effect, like I you guys could probably both talk speak to it much better than I could. But for us, you know, we're thinking about that and we're preparing for it. And you know, we're helping people. Prep, like prep open their mind. Cause one of the most important psychological characteristics that makes someone more susceptible to deep experiences of awe or the overview effect, awe is the leading emotion, um, is openness. So we're training people to help them. Like we're, we're actually like screening a little bit and then training people to help them with openness, you know, being able to stay present in their body, being able to really take it in, Um, And then they go to space, they have that experience. And then we support them with integration as well, um, which the people that we've worked with in the past have actually um, been trained in psychedelic integration, preparation and integration. So there's a lot of commonalities there. Um, We're building something internally right now, but we know that there's a lot of value for us to learn from that, from the psychotherapy field as well.
1: Yeah, and what strikes me too is, and it's it's very obvious, um, you know, being an astronaut is not a solo adventure. <laughs> You're <laughs> surrounded by a lot of professionals, and uh, so there's a lot of support before and after going into space, and so the parallels there in in psychotherapy you know, are there as well. You know, we we don't just lead people into the unknown without any support, both before and after, you know, exploring different paradigms. Uh, Sophie, um, you know, obviously, you're very familiar with this in terms of, of support. And so as we're leading people into new paradigms, into new ways of thinking, um, you're right there. And you're you're leading and, and guiding so that um, you know we don't, as you were saying, you know some astronauts might come back and and be depressed. Well, um, I've seen also in psychotherapy uh, leading people into new paradigms, and sometimes the 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 effect can be um, a little different to what I was expecting because everyone you know responds differently um, to opening their mind to new paradigms. Do you have anything to add to to that perspective, Sophie?
2: I'm just thinking about the, the matrix that one comes into this work from and the matrix that they go back to and
1: mm-hmm. always
2: checking in and assessing for what's there and how we can strengthen that. And so, and right. this is where family systems comes in, even come family systems comes in, even for people going to space. It's like, who is your support? Who is your family? What relationships do you have? And how do they support you or not? Because any expansive experience will just have you see things and feel things differently and so i'm just yeah i'm even rachel you and you and i have talked a lot about this i always have questions of like how are you helping that kind of thing and like what's happening psychologically and um and it makes me think there probably needs to be at some point a family support group for um people going to space and i always just say rachel's my friend that sends normal people to space like to me it really is that it's different than someone that decided to be an astronaut is trained as an astronaut, like has really taken the vocation of that and everything that that means, just like as a therapist, like I've decided that I'll be carrying other people's pains and, and, and releasing them and seeing things and holding that kind of perspective. Um, my experience, Rachel, when you've shared with, I think it's been three now, cause two have actually gone to space, right? Um,
0: yeah. So yeah. we've sent two people to space and then we have the, like that campaign that we showed at the beginning. That's another person. And that's I all
2: think it, it would be really cool to hear a little bit more about the the two that have that have gone. But my in my heart, every time it's just it's just like so many mixed emotions. Like, wow, that's so cool. They get to go. That's so like you know, it's so cool to witness that. And whoa, like how's that? How's their life going to look the day before and the day after that huge experience? Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Totally, yeah, absolutely. Well, can yeah. we talk about um some of the the overview effect with um those that have been into space?
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am lucky to have interviewed, I don't, at this point, I don't even know how many astronauts, like probably more than 20. Um, and including the two that we've sent to space. Um, and so I've interviewed people who have gone on like an 11 minute rocket ride and people who have, you know, spent six months in space. And I've heard a range of things. You know, I was just on a panel last week with someone who, uh, his, his name's Richard Garriott. He um, he was a private astronaut, so he actually bought a ticket to go up to the International Space Station. Um, and he said that it took—I can't remember the exact number—but I think he said it took like 50 orbits for like what he called the overview effect to hit him. And 50 orbits is like, that's a, that's a good amount of time. I I believe it takes, I think it's, it's either 45 minutes or 90 minutes to do a full orbit. So, you know, he was there for a solid amount of time before it happened. You can't have that on like a commercial flight. That's 11 minutes long. That's what's available right now. Um, But anyways, he has this amazing story of like, basically like all of a sudden, sort of like space time started morphing and he's like looking out the window and he's like, it, it feels like it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, that's like how like space time sort of like started morphing. And right. um, and yeah, so he has this amazing story about that. And Whereas like Kathy Sullivan, who was part of the first um, female crew. So like the first crew of females that was selected by NASA in the 70s. She was also on the panel and she said it was the first moment that she saw Earth from space, that everything was different for her. Um, okay. You know, and then, yeah, and then our citizen astronauts as well. I mean, one of them she had, she said she had a single tear going down her face, looking back at the earth. And then she came back and it sort of like hit her on her flight, like her like airplane flight post space flight. Um, and she was just looking out the window and like crying cause she was seeing like the mountain range that she, she had just seen via rockets, like going up into space. And then, you know, the other woman that we sent her name, Sarah, and she like, they didn't, I went, I went to crew capsule recovery. So I was like lucky enough to get to like go and watch them get out of the capsule. And we're all standing out there. And it was like, I would say like 10 plus minutes passed with the door open, but no one coming out. And we're all like, what are they doing? You know, why are they taking so long? And come to find out that she, so she was supposed to be the first one to step out. And she was like crying so much that, like they were just like waiting for her to just sort of like, you know, breathe into it and, and relax before they all walked out. And, and, and she came. And the first thing that she did, I don't know if I've told you, I feel like I've told you this Sophie, but she literally threw her hands up in the air and looked up into the sky and was just crying. And this is from an like 11 minute rocket ride. My, it was It's either eight or 11 minutes. Like it's short, um you know, and she, yeah. I mean, I would say like, what everyone how everyone describes it is, is different you know when they say that it hits them it's different um but I will say that like everybody is fundamentally changed um yeah. and even the ones who say that they're don't they're not changed I'm, I'm actually quoting an astronaut right now who told astronaut Ron and he was like even the ones who say they're not changed they are changed um yeah so, and one last thing I'll say about it is I was in a talk with Frank White, who coined the term overview effect. um and he says, he this amazing talk he quoted like, you know, seven different astronauts or seven different people who had gone to space, all saying very different things of like this, you know these big feelings of awe. And he's like, well, it's like asking people to describe God, you know? Like what comes out of their mouth is going to be very, very different. but they're all fundamentally talking about like the same thing
1: so I've got a bit of a technical question um, about the overview effect. So I'm imagining obviously that physically being in weightlessness and physically being above the earth um, has, you know, a lot to do with the psychological, um, you know, effect as opposed to just seeing the pictures. Like, so, you know, I I look at the space station pictures and, you know, I think I get a little bit of the overview um, effect, um, but I'm, sure something is amplified by the physicality of actually being in weightlessness is I mean is is that true
0: yeah so it's a it's a good question I would say like you know there's a lot of people who say that you can experience the overview effect on earth you know it's like deep 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 experiences of awe and feeling like you're part of something greater and um like like having to transcend paradigms like have like what you're experiencing doesn't fit your current knowledge base and so you need to like expand your mind in order to let it land so like that can happen on earth in a lot of ways you know Mm -hmm. brings me to psychotherapy and sophie's work as well um and i would say that i'm just going to speak as rachel here and not as the research um I don't believe that you need to be waitlists to have an experience of the overview effect. I think that um, any sort of like shift in sensory experience, like any sort of like, I'll say like novel sensory experience or stuff that forces you to like think differently is going to have that sort of impact. But, and I don't want to say that it's only visual because it's not only visual, but I do believe that the visual aspect is the most profound
1: maybe it's becoming more philosophical I don't know um but when you see when you see the earth below you um even just in a commercial airliner I've had that experience too Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and that's how it happened with with Frank White who coined the term overview effect it's like he had an overview experience looking out of an airplane window and then the term came to him and history was made essentially yeah
2: yeah and I know in so many ways it's it's different but when Rachel and I share our work together, it's so many times it feels like we're sharing about something very similar. Like Mm -hmm. even and we talked about the EMDR protocol and the rules, and I know you're not supposed to do this, but there's even been times I've let Rachel hold the EMDR buzzers just to show, just to show her, like, if we're having a conversation, I'm like, what if we like expand while we're, while we're talking about this? And so you've had that experience, but when I have a client that goes into a calm place with with the EMDR buzzers for the first time, maybe ever, maybe in decades, and suddenly mm-hmm. they feel expansion and safety at the same time, like everything shifts, like everything does feel differently. And especially because this is a podcast for um, many psychotherapists, there's this feeling of wanting to say that what many therapists are doing is allowing people to open and shift and then go back into their families and their communities and um, just shift towards a better world. Um, yeah,
0: totally. Yeah. And and I'll add to that, Sophie, like um, I was having, I was, I was having challenges with my partner a few months ago and Sophie was like, you should try my course, you know, like my course, which is made for parents of children. I was like, maybe if you might listen to the boundaries module, you'll learn how to set them with, I
2: love her partner, but I was like, maybe you need to kind of be like his parent and set a boundary. And so she listened to the
0: module. And it's applicable because we're dealing with like essentially the inner child of the people around us in challenging moments. So it was perfectly applicable and really gave me perspective. And yeah, like, it's like, then I get that and then I can show up more and you know, in my relationship as well as in other areas of life, including my work, you know? So like, it's like starting from the inside going outward, like you are also having that effect with psychotherapy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's all about challenging established neural networks where, you know, the the, the natural flow um, of our neural networks, our, our brains love to go um, to the path of least resistance, which is the, the, the paths that are most established. And so when we have um, different experiences or When we do a course that Sophie is offering and we're learning some new, new ways to interact, um, then we're challenging and we're we're providing alternative uh, neural pathways. And I would say that even um, so certainly going into space but maybe going hiking a mountain or visiting a different country or doing anything these things that are outside of the norm um start to you know stimulate some new neural pathways and I think from a from a neural level that's what it comes down to um mm-hmm. we are opening up um more neural pathways that uh, are outside of the yeah the paths of least resistance
2: mm-hmm. yeah just to circle back to the preparation and the integration we have yeah. um have a friend, her name is Kyra. And she was, she was telling me about um, something to do with psychedelic assisted therapy and how a teacher had told her that it's like, when you take a psychedelic medicine, it's like you're hiking up a mountain and a helicopter picks you up and drops you at the top. And you see the whole view of where you're going. And then it drops you right back off where it picks you up from. And you still have to hike you've now seen where you're going, the pathways are open, but you still have to hike up the mountain and it might be really grueling. So like you go to space and you see the beauty and the awe and then you come here and you see devastation on the news or you're in an EMDR session or a ketamine session and you see exactly why and how your anxiety works and that you could just be free and then you go back to your crying baby and you feel anxious. And so I I just feel, I don't, I don't know why I feel this like fight in me today to say that like, like it's like this expansion is the fun part, and then there's this, like, just really wanting to understand how good integration happens for real systems change in all of this. Mm-hmm.
0: Totally, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I can, and I'll just add. I was thinking about the same thing, Sophie. Okay. I like think I was, I was wanting to bring it back to the same thing because I was thinking, the example I was thinking of was like. I'm sure lots of these listeners have like gone to foreign countries or, you know, like spent even like summer camp. I feel like, you know, when you spend multiple weeks or multiple months in a completely different culture, a completely different environment, and then you come back to your life as it was prior with your, you know, your family doing the same stuff as they were, whatever it can be hard to come back and be like, wait, but I just felt so like connected to myself and connected to nature. Or, you know, I just like saw the world in a totally new way and then coming back. Yeah, it's really hard. And so I think you both probably know a lot more integration tools than I do. But one thing that we're working on is having like an astronaut community. So, you know, connecting the people that we fly with people who have flown, who can just like talk to them and mentor them and, you know, talk, talk about it. Um, and then we also have um, part of our integration is like a integration in self, like what are the new values that you want to live by, as well as like integration in, in community, you know, like what is, what are the things that you want to do in the community and in the world to like, sort of like let that be who you are, essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What a wonderful segue into letting people know how they can uh, connect with uh, you and what you're doing. W- where do people go? Point us to the website.
0: Yeah. So um, Space for Humanities website is spaceforhumanity.org. Um, and yeah, that's that's the best way to connect with us. I am building a personal website, but it's not up yet. That'll just be Um okay. And then you can follow us on Instagram if you are interested in going to space and using your experience as a way to make a difference in your communities and to expand people's minds um you can apply on our website when we reopen applications later this year so that would just be spaceforhumanity.org/apply
1: okay fantastic and we'll put the links in the show notes as usual uh, Rachel and Sophie uh, as we wrap up any sort of final words
2: i just love the the opportunity like when rachel said um, you can apply to space, like I got goosebumps through my body and like just the fact that there's even that opportunity is so inspiring. And so I'm so, I, and I'm thinking about how community and connection was part of what brought us together today. And, um, yeah, something I know there's another podcast, if you want to go back and listen to my work with sensitive kids, but the, what I even added on in the past month is that the, the community piece, like once parents of sensitive kids have been through my program, they need to connect with each other. So yeah, starting in May, I'll be bringing groups of parents together every week too, so that, so that they can integrate in community. So I'm just so in awe of the conversation and also the constant mirroring that we get to um, engage with in, in these connections and in our work in the world and what really and matters.
1: Fantastic. And we'll, we'll put links in the show notes to our last conversation and also to your website as well. Uh, Rachel, any final words?
0: just i just keep wanting to say the same things as sophie it's hilarious <laughs> yeah i was just i was going to say something similar of like sophie and i are both committed to our own sort of growth and transformation and so like having each other throughout the years has been amazing although our work on the outside is like different its root is really really similar i would say in a lot of ways um like the essence of it and so yeah just like echoing sophie's thought about community and getting involved with her program or just meeting like-minded people who are on a similar path to you.
1: Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for being on the Science of Psychotherapy podcast and uh, such a blast. I'm Sophie. Thank you so much for introducing us to Rachel. And um, I just do encourage everyone, jump across uh, to Space for Humanity and uh, check out what they're doing there and um, have a look at uh, some of the, the videos. Um, Omaze did the video that we watched uh, earlier and um, you know they've they got some cool things as well. So thanks everyone for joining us and uh, we'll catch you next time.
0: Thank you so much.